You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. morning we're going to talk about can you can you yes I can that's right that's a good answer that's a good way to start this morning so uh this morning uh I told Noah and Karen and Wanda because they prayed for me and I said I have something but we're really not sure what that something is I just know that I've got something and I have pieces of something that uh, I don't have a context for. I don't have a big picture for. I just, Lord loves to, sometimes he will start dropping stuff in me. And uh, it's like when you stand up, you'll get the rest. Well, I really like stuff a little ahead of time. You know, I like to prepare. I like to pray. And he's like, yeah, you'll live. You'll be okay. It's okay. So uh, this morning, I'm going to share with you what the Lord shared with me the other day. And we're going to go from there. And we'll see what God has to say. Uh, Jean also has a word um, from it. So we'll just see. But this is what the Lord asked me the other day. Now, you know, when the Lord asks you something, He's not looking for you to help him to understand, right? So he starts asking me questions, and I'm like, okay, this is good, God. He says, can you prosper in the midst of oppression? Can you prosper in the middle of evil? Can you take hold of your destiny in the impossible? Well, I, I knew those were trick questions. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, if you're asking me that, all I know is the answer is yes. And the real thing I want to know is teach me how. Because I know your answer is yes. Uh, because we've seen in Scripture, my mind just started running through Scripture of all these uh, biblical stories of how this happened. Even uh, someone mentioned it early, earlier, Isaac in Genesis 26, you know, and I, I prayed it uh, with us. You know, in a time of famine, he sowed and he, and he reaped a hundredfold in the time of famine. So we know that throughout the Word, Whenever there was obstacles, the people of God had the opportunity to prosper. They had the opportunity to be overcomers in those situations. So we're going to talk through this. And, um, and I'll tell you what he said to me once I said, Lord, if you're asking me this, then the answer is yes. Uh, so teach me how. Show me what to look for. And he said, Look for the impossible and invite me into it. See where there is no way and watch me open the doors and provide the way. I am here. Look through the word and see the signs that follow my word. I'm like, okay, got it. Nice little formula there. <laughs> A big picture. So let's just break it down a little. So I want to talk about each one of these questions that he asked me a little bit, talk through the word a little bit, and we'll just see where God takes us. Like I said, it, some of this is going to be prophetic as God releases it. Uh, I told Gene this morning what I was preaching on. He says, after um, we had prayer time this morning, he said, I have a word to go with it. So he'll share his word in just a few minutes. And we're just going to see what God wants to show us. But the one scripture, and some of this will be a little repetitive because you know how sometimes God gives you a theme for a season, and I just repeat the theme over and over because that's what's burning inside of me. So, the, so can you prosper in the middle, in the midst of oppression? Let's turn to Second Chronicles 20, 22, and we've read this, and we're going to read it again because even the songs that I picked were all about who God is 
and what God does. And, uh, you know, he's such an awesome God, so holy, so majestic, you know, Yeshua. All of the songs that we sang today was to build us up in our most holy faith in who God is. Because when we can look at what's going on out there and tap into who he is in here, then what's going on out there doesn't look nearly as daunting, doesn't look nearly as difficult, and doesn't look nearly as possible because we're living out of who he is, not what is happening there. And it's not always the easiest thing to do, but that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to live so deep in him that everything is filtered. Our eyes, our emotions, our mind are filtered through him first when we look at everything else. So Second Chronicles 20, 22. And we know that Jehoshaphat, we know that they are surrounded. I've preached on this several times, this whole scripture several times. They are surrounded. The enemy has come against them. And um, they're just in a very difficult spot. And they have no hope. And verse 22, it says, Now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab and Mount Sire, who had come against Judah and they were defeated. And what we have to remember is in the midst of oppression, praise is our weapon. Praise is our weapon. When we can get our eyes off of who is oppressing us, what is oppressing us, what is surrounding us, and begin to praise, then it's like looking in a kaleidoscope. Everything begins to look different. The praise, we turn it and we begin to see the aspects of God that we haven't seen. We begin to see the highlights that God has for us. We begin to see that the dark out there is far overweighed by the light in here. The light of our praise, the light of his presence. So that oppression um, can bring us prosper. And I'm going to read uh, verse 24, 25, and then 27 and 29. Uh, 24 says, so when Judah came to the place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and there, and there were their dead bodies fallen on the ground. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And, you know, that, that is something that we don't encounter, you know, in our little Florida area. We don't go out and see a bunch of dead bodies and, and take all their valuables off. But the understanding is that when the Lord goes out before us and provides a defeat to the enemy, then there is a reaping of the spoils. There's a repayment of what the enemy has stolen in order for us to move forward. Amen. Amen. Verse 29, or I'm sorry, 27. It says, then they returned and every man in Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them. They went back to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with uh, stringed instruments and harps and trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord was on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. You know, there's something about when God reigns through his people and the ones who don't know God see the glory of the Lord through the people of God. There's something about the display of God in all of his wonder through his people. And it's interesting because when people who don't know God hear about abstract things about God, it's hard for them to connect. 
But when people hear the testimony of someone who is living from the power of the living God within them, and they see that manifest difference that has happened, whether it's that financial breakthrough, whether it's the physical healing, whether whatever it is, then there's something that is stirred within them, the hunger of their heart that makes them want to come after what God has done for you. I feel like I want to say something else, but I don't know what I'm going to say. (laughs) I was thinking about uh, somebody I was playing tennis with. They said, oh, my husband went to a psychic. I think I told you guys this. And it was just wonderful. And all the girls around were like, oh, really? Well, what? you know, they want the psychic's name and all this kind of stuff. Because there was a connection with a reality the psychic didn't know in her husband, right? Now imagine your testimony releasing that connection of the Holy Spirit and what he's done for you, even in a prophetic word for them, that will make them hunger for a God they don't know. And like it says here, the fear of the Lord came over all the other kingdoms because of what God did. Amen. Okay. I need some excitement. I need some joy. <laughs> I need some, I need, I need the video to go off in all of our minds of what every day looks like in our lives for other people because of what we do and because of what God's done through us, right? Amen. When I was reading Mark 16 this week, I've been reading Mark for couple of months now. I just read it over and over. But Mark 16, 20, it says that, and they went out and preached everywhere. We was talking about the disciples and the Lord working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. So as we go out, the Lord is always working with us and confirming through accompanying signs. And just think about the testimonies this morning. Those are signs from the Lord. And those signs come with James. I'm going to read James 22, uh, 2.22. I don't think I gave you that, Noah. But James 2.22, it says, Did you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for his righteousness, accounted to him for righteousness. And he, he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works, not by faith alone. It's that partnership with God. Can we prosper during oppression? Absolutely. But it is that partnership. It's that we go out doing what God has called us to do. And he works with us and gives us the signs that goes with it. It is our faith plus our works that brings prosper of our soul, prosper of our mind, prosper of our physicality in a season of oppression. We can prosper no matter how oppressed, no matter what kind of famine's going on, because God is a miracle working God that provides signs and wonders for his people to display his glory, as well as that provision to come up underneath us, right? Hmm. Amen. I'm telling you, I am so excited because I feel like I told Jean this morning, I said, people need to be encouraged. They need to understand and remember and stir up that most holy faith within them. They need to take the word uh, and, and, and just consume it, 
eat it. And every time we face something out there that comes against the word or that wants to discourage us. Or that wants to create anxiety in us. Or that makes us want to run in the other direction. Then we take the word and we say it out loud. And we stir it up within us. Until all we can see is the word of God and what he's going to do in our lives in order to further his kingdom. Because his kingdom will not go forward without his people. His kingdom is not separate from us. His kingdom is infused and moving forward through us. He's called for a partnership with people. He can do it all himself. We all know that. God doesn't need any one of us, but he has chosen not to go forward without you and without you and without you and without you. He has chosen that he cannot go forward in the kingdom without participation of his people. That the reason he partners with us. That's the reason the supernatural is available in our hands, in our lives, in our finances, in our physical bodies. That's the reason he's given us the word to declare over our children and our children's children. Because when we release it, there's an activation that heaven releases to bring the word forward. Now, timing's a whole different subject, which we're not going to go into because we understand. I, I, I was telling somebody the other day, I am an ATM God. I want, I want, you know, when I declare it, I want it today. If God gives me a vision, I expect it by dinner time. But, you know, that's part of my personality. You know, I'm, I, I'm a fast, I, I like things immediate, you know. Uh, it's not that I don't have patience because I'm not going to ask for patience. <laughs> We know what that does, but it's not that I don't have patience. It's just that everything's so real to me. When I read the word, it's like real to me. If it says heal the sick, cleanse the leopard, raise the dead, preach the gospel. Every time I pray for someone, it never crosses my mind that they're not going to be healed. I just, it's so real to me. So it's not like, it's not like I'm entitled. I'm expectant. I believe who God says he is. And if he says that I can be like Isaac and sow and reap a hundred, I'm going to sow. And I expect, I I have no doubt that that's what's going to happen. Now, sometimes we do wrestle over timing. And sometimes I get the word out and I'll say, Lord, Your word says, do you remember what your word says? And I do. I will say it back to him. And it's not that he doesn't know his word, but there's something about that engagement face to face. There's something about that wrestle over what you're contending for. There's something about, uh, like uh, we read earlier, that Abraham was a friend. There's something like being a friend of God. When you're really a friend to someone, then you're going to tell them everything. You're going to share those depths with them. You're going to say, I am frustrated by this, God. I am frustrated. And I'm not letting go until your word manifests. I'm not letting go till I prosper in this oppression. I'm not letting go until you show me how to pay my debt off. I'm not letting go until my children are in the position that I know you've prepared for them. I am not letting go. Because your promise is yes. It's not, we'll see how you do, and then I'll let you know if I'm going to do it for you. It's yes every single time. He is a yes God who has promised us and we are are his people, his children that are contending for the fullness of the promise. And we, what do we contend against? Darkness. We contend against the enemy. And at times we contend against ourselves. I mean, she could have had the opportunity to work extra time and said, no, I'd rather you just do a direct deposit in my account. And God's like, I need faith plus works. I need for you to labor with me in order to break the oppression over you. 
Amen. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Can we prosper during evil? The answer is yes, it is. And we can have evil all around us, but God is greater than anything surrounding us. God is greater than anything coming against us. And it's that whole part of leaning into him, not so fixated on the evil. And I was reading through the story of Joseph, and we're not going to spend a lot of time there, but I do want to talk about him a little bit. Um, you know, Joseph has this prophetic promise. We know that, right? And uh, he's, he's young, and he decides to share it with everybody. Sometimes we know that our promises need to stay in a hidden place until it's time to release it. So we, it's time to get agreement with it. But, you know, there's jealousy. There's everything else. But when you think about Joseph and reading his life, the, the couple of things that just stood out. And like I said, I'm not going to go through the scriptures, but a couple of things stood out. You know, he endured being sold twice, once by his brother, once by the Midianites, Midianites to uh, Potiphar. He endured the uh, seductive spirit of Potiphar's wife and held his integrity, held his character. He endured being in jail, held his integrity. He still served with excellence. He served as unto the Lord. He stood in that place of, I should be well advanced by now, but instead I'm in jail. But with every step that he took, everything that he did, God promoted him. His excellence, his character, we don't see him, you know, the story of him wallowing around on the floor crying because he's in jail, crying because he was mistreated by Potiphar's wife, lied about. We don't see him wringing his hands over never reaching the place of the dream that he was promised. We see him standing. We see him serving. We see him with great excellence. You know, excellence breaks oppression. Excellence breaks evil. I read this little phrase that um, Bill uh, Johnson wrote. It was just a little meme on, on Facebook. It said that uh, perfectionism is the counterfeit to excellence. We don't have to be perfect at what we do. We just serve with all excellence. Everything we do, we do with excellence as if we were doing it right before the Lord himself. Joseph served with excellence and his excellence and his character combined with the favor of the Lord opened up promotion, wealth, territory for him and his family. In the midst of evil. In the midst of a pagan king. So excellence within ourselves. And giving up the wine. This is unfair. It was definitely unfair for him. His own brothers. You know, come on. We know family's challenging. Can be. But just think about it. His excellence, his character, his unwillingness to compromise kept him clean before the Lord and provided that open door for the Lord to get him promoted. Because Potiphar and the Pharaoh saw his excellence and he wanted his excellence to serve him <laughs> the way it did at the jail. So excellence is such a key breaker of oppression. So can we prosper during evil times? We're going to turn to Daniel 4.10. So I want you to be encouraged today. Very encouraged. 410. So we, we uh, know that Nebuchadnezzar, oh, I might have written the right one down. It might have been five. Yes, yeah, sorry, Noah. It's uh, 510. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is gone. Belshazzar is the king, and he is an evil king. He is an evil, evil king. Um, 
and he has the writing on the wall and he doesn't know what to do with it. And the queen says, verse 10, it says, the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords came to the banquet hall and the queen spoke saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. Every one of us, that is us. When you're at your office, when you're picking up your kids at school, when you walk in the door, we are the people of the kingdom that carry the Holy Spirit in us. Every solution that's needed, we have it within us. Everything we face, God has an answer for it. Yes, thank you, God. So remember that. If there's any question, the spirit of the holy God is within you. And in the days of your father, uh, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of God, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, chaladins, and soothsayers. Now, how would you like to be in charge of all the... Uh, <laughs> The soothsayers, the psychics. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember John Paul Jackson. Uh, he was so um, amazing man. But, you know, they used to go to all the, um, uh, what do you call it, um, psychics. Yeah, all, the, all those kind of fairs. And they would set up booths and uh, they would prophesy. And they would walk around the other tents and they would not be able to use their psychic abilities because the power of God was so strong on him and his team. It broke. It was like a interference. It's like when the cell tower doesn't work. They could not get anything because the spirit of the living God was in him. So he was like the uh, apostolic prophet over that realm of darkness, breaking it, taking it down, destroying it. What are you over? What is the darkness God has signed you to? I know schools, you know, think about it. Hospital, you know, where's the dark realm that God has put you into that he's given you wisdom, revelation, the supernatural power, the miracles that he's given you exactly what they need in order to break the evil so prosperity can come. Think about what you do. Think about where you are. Ask God to show you your realm that he's given you because the position he's put you in. I mean, we're powerful people. We are powerful people. And it looks like we're in the minority. But God is our exponential. <laughs> you know, you take our numbers and you put God exponential on it. You add those uh, hundreds of thousands of angelic realm. I mean, we way outnumber the demonic forces. Way outnumber. Remember, only a third fell. Yeah. Amen. So just, just, just shift our minds to know, verse 12 says, inasmuch an excellent spirit. We can cultivate an excellent spirit. A spirit of excellence, just like Joseph. A spirit that, that is so deep within us. An excellent spirit. Understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles. And explaining enigmas were found in Daniel. So just declare, Lord, that is found in me. I carry an excellent spirit. I can, I can solve things that no one can solve. Even the Rubik's Cube. I don't know if y'all remember that. <laughs> Whom the king named uh, Belshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will give an interpretation. Well, he does give an interpretation. But what he does. Now think about this. Think about who you are. And your position. And prepare yourself for what God's going to do. Because he comes before the king and his court. And he says to them. Verse 22. But you his son Belshazzar. Have not humbled your heart. Although you knew this. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Now this is a holy rebuke. 
that should have had his head cut off, right? But instead, he goes through the whole thing, everything he's done wrong. Uh, they have brought the vessels of his house before you and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them, from the holy things of God. And you have praised the gods of silver and bronze, bron I mean, silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Now think about this. Whatever's out there that doesn't know the Lord that is operating in evil against us, God holds their breath in his hand. Think about that. I just, just gives you something to, mm, I got to think about that one, God. And owns all their ways. Then the thing, and then, you know, it goes on to write this and he basically just says, everything you've done, has been against God. But this is the very end of it. So Daniel, because of his righteousness, because of his excellence of spirit, because he did what the king asked to be done, and the king's reward was uh, all this beautiful stuff, then Belshazzar gave the command, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. Can you prosper in evil times? Yes. Can the evil times even be the one that promotes you and advances you? According to the word of God, the yes is yes and amen. And Belshazzar, verse 30, said that very night Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. His time was over. And of course, Darius, the Mede, receives the kingdom. So then comes the shift, and we won't go into the shift, but the shift for Israel, the shift of restoration for them. So we can do that. The last one we're going to talk about is, can you take hold of your destiny in the impossible? Thank you, honey. <laughs> Thank you, honey. <laughs> Let's look at Judges 13. Because, you know, oh, okay. I'm going to take a deep breath and then I'm going to say it. We are not responsible for the destiny that God has put in us. He chose us, birthed something within us that we walk into. Now, I said we're not responsible, but on the other side of it, we have to step into what he's calling us to do, whether it's exactly what we want to do or not. Because in the long run, it will be what we want to do once we get in alignment with what God called us to do. I know I've told this a thousand times, never wanted to be a pastor, never wanted a church. I, I told God that. I told everybody that. I told Chuck, Karen. Karen's like, shut up. I mean, I said it over and over. And the reason was, is because I didn't feel qualified. And I watched, and I, I'll just be honest with you, how pastors were treated. I thought, I can go work for a corporate and run it and not be treated that way. I just fire them. I <laughs> oh, know. Think about it, really. That's what I did. I worked for a corporation. So, you know, oh, that's okay. You're fired. So, but apparently in church, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but once I gave up my obstinance, once I gave up my uh stubbornness and my hard-headedness and my fear and my uncertainty and all those things and say, God, whatever you say, and usually I say God tricks me into doing stuff because he has to go the back way in because my mind is looking. I'm watching for it. Then next thing you know, he snuck up behind me. And all of a sudden I'm loving what I'm doing and I'm realizing it's the thing that I said that I wasn't going to do. And then I'm thanking him that I'm doing it and wondering what took so long. 
Definitely my own obstacle. I'm serious. I mean, think about it. God sneaks up. Yeah, I quit my job because God tricked me. He said, uh, uh, you know, why don't you quit this job and start a consulting company? I'm like, okay. So I quit my job, started a consulting company. He's like, okay, enough of that. Why don't you just shut that down for a while? And I'm like, wait a minute. But he, but he had to work me out little by little, you know, little by little. I quit my job. I quit working 60 hours a week. Then I was home with my kids, doing my consulting a little here and there. Then I spent six hours a day in the park every day after I dropped my kids off from school, spending time with God, and then doing my consulting work in the last hour of the day. Oh, that's okay. I can cook dinner and do the wash and do my consulting. Yeah, I'm done. Chuck would say, what did you do all day? Oh, I was busy. Because <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to say, I've gone from working 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, flying all over the country to, uh, I sat in the park all day long and talked to God. Not that he would care, but it was just too much of a mind shift for me. How do you tell someone that you've gone from being a corporate executive to a corporate uh, God person that sits in the, uh, in the park looking at the water, watching the alligators and letting him talk to you? I, I don't know. I, that, was too, that was just too much. It was too much. So that was my secret life for about a year. And then finally I came out into the open and said, I've become this secret person. So in love with God, I can't breathe. I can't do this consulting work anymore. And uh, I told, I'll tell you this, because we got a few minutes. Uh, when God told me to shut my consulting down, just put it on hold for a while, I told him, I said, well, you tell Chuck, and uh, that'll be my confirmation. Well, Chuck would care less if I did it or not. Uh, so about three months later, Chuck came in. He said, you know, honey, I don't really think you're really supposed to be doing that anymore. And I'm like... And I have to say, it wasn't like I was like, oh, yay, I got a confirmation. I was like, really? Because I loved what I did. So um, then, I got, then I got the test. So a company from Houston calls me and says, I'd like for you to uh, take on our account. You know, we're interested. We've heard all about you, blah, blah, blah. And, um, oh, it was, they were in New Orleans. That's where they were. And uh, I said, well, I'm so, I didn't tell them I was closing my business down. I said, I'm so busy that I just really can't take on anything else because got that pride in there too, I can't say. <laughs> I got some stuff going. And they said, uh, and it would have been a very lucrative job, but I would have had to fly out there every week. And that I knew I couldn't do. So I was like, uh, and I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. They called me back a week later. How about this? How about that? I'm like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. And, uh, and when that happened, I felt the real release to, I'm not going to do that anymore. But, you know, sometimes it's that you get to that place where God is trying to move you somewhere and he has to give you that, those options. You can take on this big company. I told him, I said, I don't even know anything about oil. I mean, I, I know nothing. They're like, that's okay. They didn't care. But that, I knew that that was God. But sometimes you have to get to that place where God has given you an option and you can choose. I could have chose the other. He wouldn't have loved me any less. But I knew in my heart, as soon as those people, you know, kept calling me, they actually ended up calling me three times about it. I knew in my heart that that door had been closed for me. I could have done it if I wanted to, but there was just that peace in my heart knowing that that financial door was closed and God was going to do something else. So the journey of becoming a pastor. But, uh, you know, it's interesting as we go through this, God will provide ways for you and make shifts in your life that you don't expect And he will confirm what he's doing, and he'll give you options. And we can, we can take a hold of our destiny because it's been planted in us. And even when things look impossible, and for me personally, I'd worked since I was basically 18, always worked in the corporate life, and Giving up my financial independence was one of the biggest obstacles for me. 
thinking that I might have to depend on Chuck to provide for me. And he always did provide for me. So it was, but, um, and you know, there's the whole backstory to that too. But I just felt like I, that was a really hard thing for me to let go of was the financial independence and making money and that type of thing. Um, but it all worked out. Loved staying home, stayed home with my kids, went to school, served a church. Uh, it was awesome. But God spoke to me earlier and I read it to you is that, um, and that's what I want us to get a hold of is that even when there's impossible things in front of us that are going to interfere with us getting to where God has for us, he said, invite me into the impossible, invite me in because I'll turn that impossible to possible. And, oh, we were going to Judges. Do y'all mind? Let me just do the Judges real quick. Judges uh, 13. That was my scripture for this. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. 40 years. 40 years. And then verse 3, it says, And then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore be careful not to drink any wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. So here is this husband and wife. We've seen it many times before. We saw it with Abraham and Sarah, you know, um, unable to conceive uh, Hannah. Uh, unable to conceive, and the Lord's like, that destiny that I have for you in the birth of a generation is not going to be blocked by the impossible situation that you're in. Because I am going to make a way where there is literally, technically, no way for this to occur. So whatever that impossibility is, God has it. And he will help you birth every step of this destiny that you're carrying. Let's skip over to verse 20. It says, so Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord. And he, the Lord, did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. And it happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. Sometimes God is bringing people around us, using them, and we don't even know what's happening. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. Now, it's funny to think about that because God has just promised him a son. And Manoah's like, well, we're going to die. <laughs> Sometimes we think we're never going to get to where our destiny has been set for us. But we know his wife was brilliant and of excellent spirit. You can tell because it says, as wife said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted our burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have told us such things at this time. So the destiny was birthed. So the woman bore a son and called him Samson and the child grew and the Lord blessed him. I know it's a funny story, isn't it? But God wants us to see the power of his presence, his move on the desire and the destiny that he's put within us. And even though it looks impossible, even though you think there is no way, but we heard testimonies of ways this morning when there was no way. And we've heard them over and over. They're on the walls everywhere we go. So what is God about to birth from you? That needs a supernatural encounter 
to bring the promise forward, to get it out of impossible into possible. And that may just be a ponder question that you have to ponder on. But um, God wants us to understand that no matter what's going on, oppression, evil, impossibility, that he is a God of breakthrough. He is a God of controlling the evil that is reigning. He holds their breath in his hand. And he is a God of birthing the possible out of the impossible. Amen. Do you want to share? Jean's going to share for a minute too. After all that. <laughs> wow. Can you? I just want to just share just a couple of scriptures. In Second Chronicles 20, where you just were, a little bit before that, in verse 14, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, and I won't get into Jehaziel's lineage there. I believe we're about to have a Jehaziel moment right now. Verse 15, and he said, listen, to, listen, all of you, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Can you, in the midst of overwhelming opposition can you in the midst of contrary circumstances see the promises of God fulfilled in your life see the destiny that God has called you I can tell you that it is in the the framework of opposition it is in the platform of contrary circumstances that God births his purpose in you. If you're a situation, I don't care what your situation looks like right now. If you got mountains of debt, no job, no encouragement, no friends, no family, you are in the right place. You're not cursed. You are not cursed. He says, he said, he said, he said, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. Absolutely, the people of God were right where they needed to be. The problem is, we got to learn not to be overwhelmed where we are. He said, don't be dismayed because of this. Over in Isaiah chapter 11, and when you read the first couple of verses, uh, he talks, uh, first three verses, he talks about the sevenfold spirit of God that was upon Jesus. And verse Three, it says this. It says, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. In other words, Jesus is not going to make a decision based on who's with him and who's not. He's not going to make. He's not going to take a straw poll. He's not going to stick a wet finger up in the air and see which way the wind is blowing. He said he decided, would not decide by the hearing of his ears. In other words, he's not moved by what he hears. He's not moved by what he sees. He's not moved by what he feels. He's not even moved by his emotions. We have the same spirit that came upon Jehaziel lives in us. I don't always need a Jehaziel to tell me what to do. In fact, if I'm depending on Jehaz, he'll tell you what to do, then yeah, I'm going to be overwhelmed. Because there comes a time, I don't care how many prophecies you've been given, I don't care how many hands have been laid on you, I don't care how many gallons of oil have been poured on you. There comes a time in uh, that when you are in the place of opposition, where you're in the place of being overwhelmed, that you've got to hear God for yourself. You can be prophesied to and still not believe it. You can, have, you, you can put your uh, a fleece out there 
and wake up with dew on the fleece in the morning or not or do not on the fleece in the morning, whatever, whatever you're looking for, and still not believe it. God, give me another sign. Give me another confirmation. Honey, you need to hear God for you and be convinced that what he said he would do, he will do. I don't know how many times God shifted things for me based on what he spoke in my spirit, what I heard. And sometimes what I heard didn't even make sense. Sometimes what I heard wasn't even what I was looking for. But when I said, okay, God, be it unto me according to your word, doesn't matter about the great multitude. It doesn't matter about the circumstances. It doesn't matter about my bank account. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter about who's with me and who's not with me. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe your word. That is the time that God shifted things in my life. And I'm going to tell you, I'm still the beneficiary of those shifts to this day. I'm talking about things where God spoke to me when I was 18 years old. And still to this day, I'm the beneficiary of. God can, but you've got to hear what he says you can. You've got to hear what he says he can. And you've got to be convinced. You've got to trust that. Just as Abraham you, and Sarah, you cannot look at the deadness of your womb. You can't look at your age. You can't look at your circumstances and say, God, I mean, God absolutely knew the time to bring forth an heir to Abraham. He, brought, he, get, he, he assigned a time when it was physically impossible. I mean, God could have spoke to him in his 20s, couldn't he? Right? But then he wouldn't need God at that point, would he? God has set you up and put you in a position where you absolutely have no choice but to trust him. And you are going to come out with a testimony because you heard the word of the Lord. And you're going to say, yes, he can. Yes, he can. God speaks in a lot of ways. I, very, there's, there, there's been times I've heard God speak to me in, in such ways that it's you know pretty much plain English, sometimes Tennessee English. But then there's times it's just a knowing. There's times it's just, you know, the Bible says that, that, the, that, that the, the Spirit of God bears witness in our spirits that we are the sons of God. It's just a witness. It's just a knowing. We call it a hunch. You just know and you know her. You don't know how you know. You're not even sure what you know, but you know. And you go with that. Sometimes he comes to you with visions, I I imagery. Sometimes it's, he comes to you, it, it, it's almost like, it's amazing when God speaks to you, and we, you know how, oh, that was just me. You know why we think it's us? Because it's so familiar, we think it's us. But you've got to understand, those that are joined to the Lord are one spirit. That's why you thought it was you, but it, it was actually God. Because it was God speaking to you through your spirit. This is, this is what I believe God wants to release. When you look at all the promises in the first few chapters of Revelation where it talks about overcoming, with every one of those promises, what did the Lord say? He says, let him that has an ear hear. You're going to overcome or you're not going to overcome based on what you hear and who you listen to. I believe, I'm telling you, I believe in getting confirmation. I believe that there's safety in a multitude of counsel. But at the end of the day, I've got to make a decision based on what I know God has said. Because if I miss out on what God has for me, I can't blame it on the multitude of counsel. I can't blame it on, well, this is the word I got on prophetic night. 
I can't blame it. Oh, well, this is, this is the dream I had after I had too much chili for dinner. Let him that have an ear hear what the Spirit is saying. I'm telling you, there are some of you right now, you're in a valley of decision. And some of you have heard what God has said. Some of you still need to hear. I believe that God wants to release upon you that same spirit that came upon Jehaziel. That you will know in your spirit, I'm not going to be moved by the circumstances. I'm not going to be moved by the opinion. I'm not going to be moved by the culture. I'm not going to be moved by what's popular. I'm not even going to be moved what I think makes sense. But I'm going to go with what God has put in my spirit. Yes, he can. They that are the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. I believe we've got sons and daughters in here. You, in God's word to you is, yes, you can hear God. And he's faithful to do what he promised. I want to pray for, I want to pray for you. Those of you, right, I want you to stand just a moment. We're, we're, we're going to close this out. We're just going to release this. And, and Pastor Cindy, if you have anything more to bring, just knock me out of the way. <laughs> Father, I thank you, Lord God that we are in a season of contrary circumstances. We're in a season of overwhelming opposition. We are in a season that may look dry and barren. But, Father, I thank you that it is in this time you're going to move that you are going to move, God, that you are going to bless, that you are going to shift economies, Lord God. You are going, you are going, to, uh, you're going to open up doors, Lord God. You are going to direct. You're going to speak, Father God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father. There, there are some of you, I, I sense you're, you're kind of in a time of uncertainty. You're in a time of having to make a decision. And I see you with a stake in your hand, and I see you putting it into unfamiliar ground and God meet you there and pour out his anointing upon you right where you are, whether it's in your job, whether it's in a rela your relationships, whether it, whatever the situation is, whatever the area that God is dealing with you in, I'm telling you there is a word that he's put in your heart and he says, I want you to establish yourself and don't be moved. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for the word of the Lord. I thank you for the presence of God that's stirring on the each, in the inside of each and every individual. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you're opening the eyes, Lord God, that you're pouring out, Father God, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, Lord God, uh, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Father God, the, uh, wisdom, knowledge, discernment, we thank you for it, Father. I thank you, God, for a clear word. I thank you for a clear witness of the spirit, Father God. And I just come against right now that cloud of confusion and that, and, and, and that double-mindedness. And I just thank you, Father God, right now for settling it in the hearts of your people, what you're wanting to do with them. And I praise you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just invite you into our impossible. Lord, we know that all things are possible for those who believe, and we declare today in our worship, we believe. We believe in you. We believe in who you are. So, God, we invite you into the impossible because it will shift to possible. All things are possible. So, God, we thank you that all of our things are possible through you. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us a spirit of excellence a character that is beyond reproach. We thank you, Lord, that we operate as if we are in that heavenly realm in every part of our life. Lord, we thank you that you're teaching us how to move in this realm of prospering in all things. 
in walking in our destiny, in, in fulfilling the purpose of the kingdom that you have for us, in bringing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. God, we thank you that we are a part of this motion, this momentum, this movement of yours, Lord. And God, we just call forth all those that are hanging on the edge of uncertainty, all of those who are not sure. We call them forth into the truth and the presence and the purity of who you are, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you that every knee will bow one day, that we will be witness to every tongue confessing that you are Lord and Savior. In, in your precious name, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.